My name is Rosemary Tariuki and I, I came to Australia uh, 1999, so I'm 21 years here in Australia. Wow. Okay. What was it like when you first arrived? What are your memories? Oh, my memory was, oh my God, it was um, like a big city. Wow. <laughs> and it was very lonely for me because I came from a very big uh, family of 16 children, two mothers, one, one father. We had cousins, aunties live with us. So it used to be like 40, 50 of us, one go. And then I come here I'm alone so it was very very lonely to me and people never were not talking to me so it it, it was very different for me what um, I've, I've noticed in the work you do with um, Parramatta police you mentioned loneliness as being a very important issue and you touched on it then tell us a yes. little tell us a bit a little bit more about your journey when you first came to Australia and just what you did have to do and What was the big challenges for you? What were the... Was anything familiar? Just tell us a bit about that. I'd love to find out. So when I came here um, and I put in my asylum seeker, then I didn't... Uh, on the first night I came, I found um, my Ethiopian lady who gave me... who picked me... who I met at the airport and she gave me... she took me in and she looked after me and then from there I, I, I met through the local priest, uh, went to St. Vinnie's who gave me a place to live in Randwick. And through that Randwick I met, uh, they introduced me to Asylum Seeker Center and that became uh, my family. And the Ethiopian friend of mine Uh, her name is Meskerem. Up to today, I call her my Aussie mom, and we are very good friends because she's the one who opened the doors for me. Uh, and when I was living in uh, Randwick, uh, I lived in uh, this block of units. Uh, when now I left the Venice house, there was a block of 15 units, and no one used to talk to me. No one. I, I was wondering, what is wrong with these people? They don't talk to me. And it, I had these Christmas cards which I had bought to send to my family back home. Uh, and I, I thought I, had, I didn't get time to send them. So I thought I'll send to the, these people in this unit who don't talk to me. So I'll say, door number one, unit number one, my name is Rosemary Karyoki and I'm wishing you a Merry Christmas and could you please be talking to me? And this is my number. And from the and, and before midnight, I put all those cards under the doors, and it worked magic because from then on on Christmas Day, everybody stopped to come and talk to me. And from there, we started visiting each other. They could invite me to their home. I could invite them. So it changed the whole thing. And from that time, I thought, wow, you can change you because sometimes people don't know how to relate to you. And I was running away from my country because there was uh, tribal classes and uh, my son was really affected a lot. I came from a town called Eldred. So, yeah, that's my story when I came. And uh, my mind was just thinking and I left my children back home. So I was thinking, no, my, I just want to work and face this for my children and then bring them here. And exactly that's what I did. How many, how many children came out with you? I came alone. 
I okay. came alone and, and then I brought my children after. They are two boys and then I have a nephew who I looked after like my son and my, yeah, my, my two sons and my nephew. So how long were you alone in Australia before any members of your family came out? Yeah, four years. I stayed wow. four years and then my my son came first when he finished year 12. Then my, my nephew came next. Then my younger son uh, came after six years. And uh, yeah, it was not easy. I, it took six years for me to get my PR. And at all that time, yeah, I, but I, yeah, it was really hard. But I met I met good friends and uh, my 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 focus at this time. I used to do a lot uh, of volunteer work. I was thinking instead of just sitting down and thinking of my loneliness, I thought, well, I want to do something. So uh, in my local church, a Catholic church in Randwick, I saw they had advertised anyone wants to visit the lonely people in the nursing home. And I thought, wow, that's a good idea, going to visit lonely people. And I'm lonely, so I volunteered, and I started volunteering at the Little Sisters of the Poor, and I did that for three years. So at that time, they became my family. Then asylum seekers still were my family. And I, the local chat to the people, they were not talking to me much. But now I have, I, I was, I had people around me which was good and I was busy, I was working. So, yeah, so when you see something not happening, you instead of sitting down and thinking, oh, what is happening, you can, you, you, you might change and do something for, for people to understand because that, that time there were no uh, black people, especially in Randy. So I think they didn't know how to relate to me. How tough was that? How much of a challenge? Yeah, it was a lot. Can you imagine we were in a new place? Because for us, Africans, and especially Kenya, where I come from, we love uh, strangers. We welcome people. We open our doors. And here, people are not talking to you. And I'm thinking, I don't know what have I done. So it was really hard. But for me, because I was very busy, I was volunteering, and I... In the pro and and, and uh, I'm working, so I was busy in that way, and then I became very active in my church. So and and after and after three years, I, I because the people I was looking after they were dying, and I told my coordinator, "Can you give me the ones who are not dying?" Because they become my family, so when they pass on, that it affects me. So I I I I did three of them, and I said, "No, I'm not gonna do this." That's how I started volunteering with the community, African Community Council. Uh, I looked for them because they were not in Randwick, but and when I found them, I was so excited and I started working with them. And that's how I even, that's how through that, I knew about this job I'm doing today. So I've been working as a multicultural community liaison officer for 15 years. When you first left Kenya, did you think you would be in the position you are now? No, when I left Kenya, I never thought I would be where I am today, especially with the local, the uh, Australian of the year. Yeah. Um, it, it, is, it, it, it is huge, it's big, because I was just doing, I love helping, and even back home, I used to do volunteer, a lot of volunteer work, 
and when I came here, I was doing it. So for me, I I always say if everyone can do something because you this world can be a different uh, place. So I didn't know I was doing just what I do. So when I was nominated, I never knew what that meant because I I I have a lot of awards. I just thought it was another award. <laughs> Not knowing it is is going to open another big doors for me. <laughs> Tell yeah, me. it is it is huge. It is big. Yeah. Well, it's it's very well deserved for certain. Tell me a little bit about the African Women's Dance Dinner Dinner Dance. So when I started, uh, when now I started working with the police and I started at Auburn, and that was uh, the time all the Sudanese which are now South Sudanese and Liberians and the civil unions were coming in huge numbers, the refugees. And they had a lot of issues. They were not accessing the services. The services had a lot of issues accessing the Africans. And so when I started working, uh, I, I realized it was true. They were not accessing the services. And I thought, how can I make them access the services? Because they have a lot of issues, but they are not accessing the services. So that's when I thought about, okay, what can I do? I, I thought about the men, and I thought, no, no, no. The men is very hard to bring them to services. Then I thought about the youth. The youth get uh, help from the school, and that's how I zeroed with the woman. And the woman is the one who has the children, who is struggling with everything. And I thought, okay, what does a woman like? What does, what does an African woman like? And, uh, and I thought, oh, they like dressing up, they like dancing, they like good food. And that's how the, the dinner dance, the, the African women dinner dance was born. So I started, the, 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 the few people I started telling them about the dinner dance, they said, no, 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 that can't happen. Nobody will sponsor you. Nobody will give you money for the dinner dance. And I said, it's not a dinner dance. It's a, it's a vehicle for them to come to get services. But they couldn't understand what I'm talking about. But for me, if I believe in something, I don't give up. So I kept on talking, I kept on telling people, until there's one lady called Suji is the one who had what I'm saying. And she said, Rosemary, we shall do it. And for sure, we started we're organizing, we did that, we're organizing, and the first dinner dance, there was 350 women attend. And I remember, and we did the RSL club in Auburn, and I remember at that particular time, a, a, a domestic violence survivor came and shared her story on how she left the abusive relationship. And the following Monday, we had over 20 women come and report domestic violence. There were services there, they had souls to showcase what they do because they were doing 510 hours of English. You can't learn English in 510 and you don't have any language. But there were agencies there who were even going at home to, to teach English, especially if you have many children, you don't have transport, but they didn't know that. So from that dinner dance, they said they want another one, another one, so it has been happening. And this year is the 15th year, it could have been 16, but last year we didn't do because of COVID. Mm. It will be on 16th of October. And now we open to all women, all women of all races. You should see them, how they dress up, a day where a woman comes without a child, without a husband or partner, so that it's their day. Music and dancing is a need to many uh, called 
women not only uh, not all our communities not only the africans it's a need like in the african communities when you want when a child was born you will know a child is born as a boy or a girl with the songs they are singing while dancing you'll know they are harvesting come and help them to harvest uh, through the music they sing you'll know somebody have died through the music they sing you'll know so music is a need in africa has been suppressed it's a way of celebration it's a way of mourning it's a way we tell our stories through music and dancing and in this country it's so sad we don't have anywhere to dance because dance is happening in pubs culturally uh, women not only the african women the called women are not allowed to go to the pubs so up to now i think the system needs to work around and open places where the women can go and dance where this will tell because it's a need suppressed and when you suppress a need uh, you, you, you it's coming it's not good so groom during the african women dinner dance which is very famous and very popular a program called culture exchange program was born and culture exchange program is where uh, we take women to the countryside to live with the host families who are ovi and the and the culture and, and the culture exchange program we take women three days friday saturday sunday and they live with host families to change culture from both sides it's a very it's, I, it's my best project ever because within those three days you can see a woman how it, they get transformed they go there with nothing we very scared not even talking but after the three days you should see how they are vibrant and how they are happy and the women look for jobs for each other they encourage each other they visit each other and a lot of domestic violence comes out of that they encourage the women to come and report domestic violence so they hold each other's hands they walk to the police station to me and they put in a report about domestic violence women come without jobs with no time they have looked jobs for each other. even if they don't have a language the ones who have the language they go and talk to their bosses because they are very hard workers and the bosses like them so i said i will work with them and i'll be training to them and for sure they give them jobs uh, some have moved to live in those countryside they, because they cannot get jobs here so a lot of uh, good things come out of of that and the women uh, they you'll meet them in the street uh, they come running to me rosemary oh i'm so happy i'm happy now i said what happened oh i left that abusive relationship or uh, this happened so when i see a woman smile and you know when you help a woman a woman helps a whole, a whole house and a whole village so when you make a woman happy make the children happy make the husband happy and everyone is happy when you give a woman information they tell everybody with ears they'll even you if you have a wife you know how they tell you things like 10 times until you are tired oh you have told me that many times but and that's why i work with the women because i know once i give the woman information they they share with other women with other families if it is to do with maybe something for their kids they'll share with women who have kids this is 
There's a program happening and it will be good for your children. So, they, and we are very much word of mouth people and we, we, we give information and we care about each other. Rosemary, for, I'm conscious of your time, but for someone who arrived in Australia and felt that sense of loneliness, you've made a hell of a job of doing programs where people surround themselves with each other for the betterment of all. Um, I'd like to ask you one question about, uh, I'd be interested to know what you consider courage to be, because you spoke a little bit about women walking hand in hand to the police station to, to talk with you and how doors can be opened through just being together. In the context of a woman who is pursuing the role you do now, what does courage yeah. mean to you? Courage means to me when a woman walks straight to you, looks at you in the face and says, Rosemary, I've had enough. I want to walk out from that avenue. Another one comes and says, I have been crying all these years, but I have decided I'm going to move on. Those are the stories I, I hear every day from the women. And I work with all women, not only the Africans, I work with the called women. Because I realize when you work with uh, different women from different cultures, they give each other strength and they realize they are all the same. Uh, there's one woman who came running to me in the street and said, Rosemary, I'm happy, I'm happy. At long last, I'm happy. And I said, why are you happy? She said, because the abuse, she, uh, she was going through abuse from her own son. And I empowered her and I guided her. I empowered her so she got help and she managed to to leave that abusive relationship with their son. And now they are good friends because when they separated, they realized what they are doing and the relationship built up and now they are good. And she's very happy every time she says, well, let's help me, Rosemary, thank you. Another one. I remember when we went to the, to one of the places of the countryside. She she was not talking. She was uh, she was very tiny and she was so. And then uh, when we were coming back the second the third day, the women are asking her, so and so, did you learn English in three days? Because she was talking like a typewriter. But her confidence was zero. And now it was up there. That's what I call courage. Yeah. Yeah. Down the line, she came running to me and she told me a few, Rosemary, do you remember me? I said, yes, I remember you very well, but I can't remember the name. And she said, oh, I'm now working. I said, where are you working? In Woolworth. I'm very happy. That's courage. Then two years down the line, I met her again. I was working with a police job in the street. And she came again with a prom and smiling. You could see the last two. I said, Rosemary, you know what? I got married in a very good relationship and I have beautiful two children. That is what is courage. Wonderful now. Or somebody who cannot drive. They have this phobia, they cannot drive. I encourage them. I get them uh, volunteers who will talk to them, show them how to drive, and I see them driving because they have decided I have to do it. This so many examples, and I've seen it in these women, and that's what makes me continue doing what I do. Two questions in one here. One, yes. you, you were talking about dance and music and how culturally it's part of everything in African life. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to ask you individually what, what 
music means to you and do you have uh i would say a go-to song a favorite song a song that you sing to yourself or you like to surround yourself in its company and if you do <laughs> would you be brave enough courageous enough to to sing us uh, a line or two and tell us what it means <laughs> i have a very very horrible voice I, I i keep on telling my grandson my voice is like a frog it can remove a snake from way tidy <laughs> but song means a lot a lot when i was in my abusive relationship if if it was not for song i would not have survived so when he was abusing me emotionally i used to sing amazing grace and i used to hum it inside so he's abusing me that's what my mechanism my separate mechanism and I could not to stop to hear what is abusing me and after today amazing grace that's my favorite song song is it's a healing song is a food for the soul to me maybe I let me think for you it think amazing grace how sweet this sound <laughs> I'm happy. I'm horrible. <laughs> uh, never, never, never horrible. What's that saying? Dance as though no one's watching. It can be the same with singing as well. So, listen. I, 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 I sing in. The, I dance in the kitchen when I'm cooking. Do, do you? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh. I do. I live with my grandson. I tell I put music and when we are cooking and then we start dancing. <laughs> what, what type of music? Oh, we we da we dance to uh, to African music, but we can dance most of most of the time. You put the the African music, but we can dance to any. <laughs> Rosemary, you are fantastic. Belated congratulations on the award, and I, I wish we had more time because um, I think we've only scratched <laughs> the surface with you. Thank you very much. Also, it's good to encourage other people. I. I'm a believer of true stories. When you share true stories, people do not resonate with them, and they always say, "If I, I totally if I can do it, if Rosemary can do it, I can do it." All, all right, Rosemary, <laughs> you take care and thank okay, you so then, very much. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, bye. Bye, bye. podcast series is a collaboration between Mecca and Westwards. Interviews by James Knight, editing and production by James Roy.